guys. Welcome back to the Allergic to Grace podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Whitney. And we're so glad you joined in to listen today. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about Exodus chapters 33 through 35. But to pick up where we left off last week, let's quickly recap what we saw in 30 through 32. God continued to give Moses instructions for the tabernacle. This included the altar of incense, the census tax, the bronze basin, the anointing oil, and incense. God also called two men, whose names I can't pronounce, to aid in the craftsmanship of the tabernacle. God also gave specific instruction on keeping the Sabbath holy. At the end of the episode, God instructed Moses to go down the mountain because the Israelites had broken the covenant by creating and worshiping a golden calf. Yep. And in the last episode, didn't he like reprimand them and then and then the Levites killed a, a bunch of people? Yeah, and, it's really good. You should read and listen. Yeah, read the chapter or go back and listen because it's you some like it things so in much. there you didn't learn in Sunday school. You like it so much. Thank God. <laughs> so we left off last episode with Moses having gone back up the mountain to ask God for forgiveness for the Israelite people for creating the, the golden calf. Because he was like, you've sinned a great sin. Now I'm going to go up and see if he'll forgive us or if he's actually going to smite us all because that's what, he, that's what he said he was going to do. He yeah. was like, leave me so I can kill you all and restart over with you, Moses. Yep. And Moses was like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Let me just go down there and see what, we'll see what happened. Oh, you like a sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> so he's gone back up the mountain to talk to God and be like, please forgive us. We are terrible people. Mm, yes that's what 32 ended with that right yes but then god was like you know i'll forgive you moses basically put his life on the line he was like if you don't forgive their sin just blot me out of your book yeah i'll take the punishment for them which yeah turned out to be really i guess like a test from god to see how mature for, i guess for lack of a better term moses had become because remember at the beginning of all this he's like nah no nah, god send someone else i ain't doing it yeah which is, yeah, a lot of f growth on his part, I yes, feel. absolutely. Um, but at the end of 32, God told Moses that his angel shall go before them. But, you know, when he visits, he'll still judge, bring judgment on their sin, basically. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and then God sent a plague on the people because they made the calf. So opening in 33, God is telling Moses to depart from Sinai. And he's telling them to take the people of, e the people of Egypt technically speaking yeah i mean but the, the israelite people, the people. israelites he's telling them to take the people with him to the land the promised land basically right yeah go to the land which i will show for you yeah let's just get into it yes we're getting into it do you want me to read it we can read it i mean i feel like this episode we should probably read yes oh speaking of this episode this episode is very different from what we've seen previously uh, yeah. in the past Forewarning. dryness of building the tabernacle or the instructions for building the tabernacle and everything in it. This, this episode actually has some meat to it. I feel. Yeah. In a way. Not that the other stuff wasn't like this. Is, it was meaningful and it was yeah. purposeful. I feel like this is a little bit, it's going to warrant a little more discussion. Yes. Yeah. More discussion. More, dis more discussion. More discussion. Words are hard. Ugh. Okay. More discussion. <laughs> More storyline, more yeah. like what's going to happen next. Yes. So, kind of, don't ask me what that sound was. <laughs> winging it does not work, evidently. Oh, we're not winging this one. <laughs> um, but I feel like it's going to be a lot like Genesis was in the sense that there's, like you said, there's a little more story to discuss here. Yeah. So, I'm excited. Okay. Anyway, getting into it. So in 33, it says, the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying to your father, saying to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way for you are a stiff necked people. So clearly... God has forgiven them, but he hasn't forgotten. He's still still pretty angry. I would be too. Here we see that term again, stiff-necked people. Do you remember what stiff-necked people meant? I do. It's kind of like, I guess for lack of a better term, when I think of it, I think like impossible. Like you're an impossible people. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it's 
referring to like putting a reins on a horse or a donkey or something and you trying to pull it one way or the other and it's not cooperating it's, yeah it, it can stubborn it, it can't take any direction set in its ways yes like because keep in mind i guess maybe this is something of curiosity we should have looked up i don't know how much time has passed between the time that it couldn't have been more than well 40 days i guess 40 days between the time they made the covenant with god and then broke it yeah 40 days mm-hmm. it's not a long time no but like the decision to make the golden calf like that probably started instantaneously but to remember they saw him go no, to a, like a, f- a, f- a what whenever i said instantaneously that not instantaneously but like they thought he went to a flaming mountaintop yeah. like they thought he was dead but that does not excuse their behavior no they were afraid too so mm-hmm. like think about how they just reverted back to what they knew yeah exactly so god told moses that he was not going to accompany them on their journey to the promised land which we just spent the last how many chapters talking about god being with the people wherever they go mm-hmm. and now we're here saying god's going to tell moses that he's not going with them which i was thinking about this because moses's argument was was i mean yeah he's like okay well you're going to look silly basically because we you just did all this you, to drag all these people out here in the desert to just kill them all but like the israelite people broke the covenant god owed them nothing nothing like he owed them nothing he didn't have to go with them anyway like so from the get-go he owed them absolutely nothing nothing his reasoning for not wanting to go with the israelite people was because he was going to murder them all yeah he was afraid of what i shouldn't say he was afraid of but he knew how angry like, he was gonna be he, unless i strike you down on the way like i am still upset i don't need to be around you right plus now. plus i know the pace given your history of poor decision making yeah and i think also too it's important to note that you know when moses talked to aaron whenever he came down from the mountain aaron made up this thing about how oh we threw i threw the precious metals into the fire and this perfectly formed golden calf happened to come out of it that was but, a lame excuse <laughs> It was. oh it popped out like that <laughs> but moses when he went to god to talk to him about forgiveness and you know all of this he told the truth like he didn't hold anything back he laid it all out for god this is what happened please don't smite us not that he needed that right absolutely but i think too again since you and saying that is like well i mean i think that also goes to show again moses's faith and leader maturity level because the growth that he has made as a leader and in his faith because instead of just like trying to hide it he knows that god knows mm-hmm. so there's no point in trying to hide it or well, lie god, about god it. told him before he even went down the mountain the first time that they had made mm-hmm. a golden calf and we're do we're participating yeah. in idolatry like yeah <sighs> Nothing can be hidden from God. It's a scary thought. Mm-hmm. It's a good but scary thought. Yes. Oh, anyway, okay. So I feel like this, the God telling Moses that he was not going to go with them to the promised land. Like he was still giving them his blessing. He was still giving them the things that he had promised that he would give to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of those people. Mm-hmm. He's still giving them everything that they have worked for or that he's pushed them to work for. Right. But he's he's denying himself from the people. So I feel like this was a test to see, okay, do you love me or do you like the things I can do for you? Exactly. Exactly. So the the reaction of the people of Israel really is going to show which path they want to go down, because, again, we have free will. And two, they should really want God, because without God, there is no blessing. But aside from the blessing without god there's no life there exactly there's nothing else like so. out, outside of i mean and this even i think is true to today like outside of god there's nothing mm-hmm. like there is nothing no there's no life there's no promised land there's no eternal there's nothing nothing like so you should want god versus wanting your flesh mm-hmm. so let's see what the people said moses comes down the mountain says you know um god's not going to come with us but we're going to go to the promised land and it says when the people heard this disastrous word is that the right word disastrous Mm -hmm. they mourned and no one put his or put on his ornaments 
have a think about this. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff necked people for if a single moment I shall go up among you. I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what you do, what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. So it was literal like clothes decorations. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Like fashion accessories. Accessories. Like, yeah. Take off your fancy stuff. Like you in this is should nothing be to be celebrated ashamed. exactly mm-hmm. like shame <laughs> shame ding. Ding. ding shame i'm mad we both did that <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh but seriously that should be their bell of shame right, right. <laughs> oh goodness so they mourned they mourned um with hearing that god was not going to come with them to the promised land so I feel like they had the appropriate response. I think so. So hopefully they're on the path to the restoration of the spirit, basically, because that's what they need to have. Yeah. A restoration of spirit. Mm-hmm. So in verse seven, it says, now Moses used to take the tent. No. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it. What? We're into a completely different section now titled the tent of meeting. <laughs> you can read it. Go ahead. I'm done. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp far off from the camp and he called it the tent of meeting and everyone who sought the lord would go out to the tent of meeting which was outside the camp whenever moses went out to the tent all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch moses until he had gone into the tent when moses entered the tent the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the lord would speak with moses And when all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So, go ahead. This tent of meeting. Yes. It's said multiple times that this tent of meeting was outside the city. Mm-hmm. And we know that the building of the tabernacle was supposed to be the hub the of center the camp. of the city. Yeah. The, the city, the camp, where like wherever they were. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it is outside, the fact that they were not allowed to approach this tent of meeting, that they stood in reverence at their own spot, speaks to a, a lot of what they known that they had done. Yes, I think so, too. They had to literally separate themselves if they wanted to speak to God. Moses had to separate himself from the people to speak with him, like leave the camp. Yeah, and come back. And come back. Yeah. I really don't have much on that because I think it's pretty self-explanatory because, again, play stupid games. Yes. Win stupid prizes. I I have some stuff. Moses meeting face to face with God. This is one of those moments where you have to think forward to the New Testament. It's one of those things that people like to pick out and say, well, did he really meet face to face with God? Because, you know, in, I don't know, Matthew or something, it says that you, no one has seen the face of God and has lived. Like no one can see the face of God and live. You know, the Mm -hmm. only person that's seen the face of God is the son. Like it's not literal face to face because God is a spiritual being. Number one, he can't present himself in human form when he wants to but as you know even jesus said himself that you can't see face to face with god and live because the glory of god is too much for any band to bear right yeah so the verbiage here with face to face is talking about how you would speak face to face with a friend kind of like how it follows up with that as if someone was speaking to a friend um it's just referring to the very close relationship that moses had with god Got question says the idiom face to face can simply be understood to mean intimately. So my question is, what was he seeing when he was talking to God? I don't know. Do you know? Mm-mm. Do you have an answer? Is that why you asked? No. I mean, I'm thinking like a cloud. Because <laughs> that's what descended, you know? Because I feel like he, he wasn't seeing God in all of his glory because that's later on and... We know how that goes. Maybe he was conversing with the spirit. Maybe. Because, like, you know how, like, you pray or you talk to God. the cloud descended on the tent. 
I think the cloud descended on the tent to let the people know that God was there. Yeah. It's all hypothetical. Of course, until we know for sure. But my, I guess my, my thought process is, is that he was speaking just like we would now to God. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of like in prayer and in reverence, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Because I would imagine like he maybe like have, because I guess to like, it was probably, I don't know. Nope. Don't know. I'm just thinking like, would he have his eyes closed, you know? And then you wouldn't even have to worry about seeing God. Yeah. Because your eyes are closed while you're talking to him because you're talking to him because you can hear him. Like, you know how you hear and feel the spirit? He's hearing and seeing God in that way. Mm -hmm. So he's not seeing him. Maybe. But that's just, of course, my take on it. Yeah. It could have just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But I don't know. No, I don't know. Because then later he says, why when he basically says, I want to see you. So. Like, refi- reveal yourself to me. Yeah, basically. so he probably sees nothing. I bet you he sees nothing. Because why else would he say, I, show me? Yeah. You know? That's crazy. Weird to think about, isn't because it? Because on the mountain, he did see something. He saw fire. Yes, in the bush, he saw fire. And when God was leaning them by day... He saw fire the and cloud. cloud and, and then the night yeah. was the fire. And, you know. But I guess, like... And then, of course, you like you have the thunderstorm uh-huh. and everything. Yeah. But I, my thought is, is, like, when he's going into the tent of meeting, I'm thinking, like, reverence, he's more so in, like, prayer mode. And that's I feel like that's conversing. kind of the same situation with when he descends on the tabernacle. Because he descends in the cloud. Yeah, I really think that that's what it is. And I think it's that the cloud is there so that the people know that he's there. Yeah. You know, because, like, God is there just because you don't see him doesn't mean that he's not there. Mm -hmm. And so God is there directly. And so the cloud is there Mm -hmm. so that the people know that they can't approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that people can't approach the tent because God is there because they knew it was a visual for them to know not to approach the tent because remember the repercussions for... You remember yeah. the priests wearing the bells yeah. a couple episodes ago? Yeah. Like, because they weren't worthy. Mm-hmm. So it was more so of like a get back, get back type of thing. You don't know me like that. Yeah. Like <laughs> type of thing, you know? Yes. It was like for their protection, I yes. think, rather than, you know? Well, too, God was so angry. It wasn't it wasn't Moses that built the golden calf and worshipped no, it. Moses so had an of alibi. course, of course, Moses is probably the only one worthy, not worthy, but the only one able to go and talk to God at this point in time. Because if anybody else approached him, he'd been like, smite. Yeah, no, exactly. Because he's so angry, which mm-hmm. rightfully so. Yes. Um. Anyway, so we have the tent of meeting. It's outside of the camp, right? I don't understand why this whole line about Joshua's in here. I think it's just to also introduce us to him because he's eventually going to be the leader. Mm-hmm. Joshua is. Oh, okay. And he like, I guess, is, I don't know if this is the right word, but was kind of like an apprentice to no- Moses. Yeah. And so he was able to take over and learn what he learned from Moses and was able to lead. I'm just don't remember everything exactly about his leadership and everything, but yeah, learn how to do it from Moses so that he could eventually take over. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll learn more about like how he came to be the one and stuff whenever we get into mm-hmm. him. And so like the people coming out of their tents and standing at the doors of their tent while Moses was in the tent of meeting talking to God, is that them saying, you know, I'm here, I'm worshiping with you from afar? Or is it like, what are you doing in there? <laughs> I'm sure it's both mm-hmm. because they probably want to know, like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> like what's going on in there? Yeah. You gonna save us or Yeah. You gonna tell us where to go now? You gonna tell us where the promised land is? You gonna give us some more mana because at this point but also still happening. But also too, like keep in mind that they were almost just dead, so they're probably like, Oh, thank you, you know, for for not killing us. Is that like So it's probably like like a combination of both. Yeah, is Mm -hmm. what I would think. Okay. Yeah. The mana, the mana and the quail and all that stuff is still going on. That Mm -hmm. went on until they until they got into the promised land i would think it was like 40 years or something after they entered the promised land or something something like that yes anyway sidebar (laughs) so we're moving on to the next section that's entitled moses's intercession 
says in verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up these, this people, but you have not. Oh my gosh. You can read it. (laughs) Victoria can't read today. (laughs) Verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from this. Do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct and I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. There's a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot. Sure was a lot there. I've read a bunch of different renditions of it, of this particular verse section. Mm -hmm. Um, And favor is often switched out with grace or mercy. Mm -hmm. I have found mercy. I have found favor. I have found your grace has found me yeah basically so that's the same verbiage there so it's basically god showing his grace yeah on moses and on the people yeah because i like when when moses basically says i I mean if you don't if you're not going to go with us then don't take us away from here yeah just go ahead and wipe us out because if you're not going to go i don't want to go basically I also like how God was like, okay, fine, I'll go before you. And he continues on saying, but wait, wait, I have more to say. Yeah, right. He's like, fine, you said this, I will do. But if I found favor, already told you, you did. Yes. He had to repeat back what Moses said to him. (laughs) To be like, I already said that and I'm going. Yeah. (laughs) And then he proceeds to ask for more. Mm -hmm. Don't we always though? Mm -hmm. Always. Always. But you're going to go with us, but can I have just a little bit more? Can I have a glimpse? Let me just see you. Show me your face. Show me who you are. Because really think about it. If he's been in the tent of meeting, he's been talking to God this whole time. He's talked to a burning bush. He talked to, you know, all the stuff that we just said. I mean... Yeah, I don't want to say you're not you're you're talking to nothing, but like you're talking, and we as humans, at least, especially for myself, I'm, I'm a very visual person, mm-hmm. and so like rather than me sitting here staring at the wall or like staying with my eyes closed, like show me you, mm-hmm. like who am I talking to? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, the verse that says, "I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord." Mm-hmm. I think it's enduring words says in the thinking of the ancient Hebrews and also other ancient cultures, the name represented a person's character and nature. God promised to reveal his character to Moses, not merely a title. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So like the entire character, the entire holy glory, like every word you could possibly think of that would never do God justice is about to pass by Moses. Yeah. And like when I hear that, like, I don't think like, I will proclaim you my name, the Lord. When I read that, I think like he's going to make him feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like he's going to walk past and say, Yahweh. You know, <laughs> like that's not what's happening. Because like when you first read that, I'm like, walking by Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, but seriously, like that's how it comes across. Yeah. And especially like if you haven't read this through, like, you know, or you've just read it really quickly, you're yeah. like, well well that's weird <laughs> like but that's not what i'm gonna no. walk by and then you're gonna open your eyes and you're gonna see my back right 
Whitney. <laughs> well, like running off it sounds silly which is why like i felt like i needed to say like i think he's talking more so like you said like about his character and he's going to make him feel Mm -hmm. the glory you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like make him feel who he is and he's also going to show him his shekinah like if you think about it i'm look look don't don't laugh at me Uh, yes you're right a a thousand percent who was his name R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul R.C. did a whole lecture series mm-hmm. was, on the Shekinah yes. glory. And it's literally talking about the glory of God. Why his face shines so bright. Why angels can't look at him. Like, that's what he was shielding him from when he used his hand and literally a cave to push him back so he doesn't get full force of it. Like, that, he's making him feel his glory. Yes. yes, yes. But he's also showing him. Yeah what he is and what he looks like and it's literally you can't look at it you yeah. can't look at it directly yeah, exactly and one of the things i had written down is you know think about in the new testament when it was think about walking by the sun yeah that's what i mean like think about it was i believe peter james and john went with jesus up the mountain and on the mountain it was they saw jesus in his true form moses and elijah moses and elijah and their faces immediately hit the ground because they couldn't look at them like they physically could not look at them yeah so that's like you just can't and that's just like one of those things where like, and that's why it says if anyone sees my face they shall surely die yeah because we like, as huge creature dirty defiled creatures from the dirt as rc sproul had once said we and well number one we don't deserve to no let's be real no we're not really. i mean and number two we couldn't handle it Mm-mm. like we just we would immediately implode yes implode have you ever seen like a, an ai rendition of when an atomic bomb goes off and you're standing too close i haven't okay well it you know there's like a shock and then there's like the wave yeah right mm-hmm. with the wave that's what is the blast like that's the fire that's the mm-hmm. radiation like that would literally burn your skin off like that's what i feel like that would that would happen if we were to see god in history form yeah. we would literally like just implode yes yeah because if angels, if cherubim, the people who guard God's supernatural throne, beings can't even look at him, if supernatural beings can't handle looking at him, like, and I think, and that's pure good, like that. Yes. Yeah. I can't. There's no other word to describe it. No. And I think too, and even that word doesn't do justice. Like, there's no, no words. No. There's not. Yeah, I just don't think we... Oh, I think maybe that might be a part of like, well, why can't I see him? Like, mm-hmm. that's just one of those things. We've talked about this, I think, more so back in Genesis. This is just like one of those things with God. Like, you just have to accept. Like, you're not going to be able to understand until you experience not being able to see his His face and his glory. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just can't. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like how God just always was. Mm-hmm. You just can't. Yeah. And it's just, it's one of those things that it's hard to grip yes exactly that's exactly what i'm thinking of like god is three in one type of thing yes like it's just one of those things that you just have to like jesus was god like you it's you just have to accept it Uh like someday we'll our flesh is getting in the way it's a barrier of understanding what it all is Mm -hmm. so you just have to accept like okay and then someday we'll be able to better understand yeah, but that acceptance doesn't come without God opening your eyes first. Yes. So yeah, God is literally going to put Moses in a corner of a rock and he's going to shield him with his hand and then he's going to pass by and he's going to be able to see his back, his quote unquote back. Yeah. So he's not going to be able to, to directly see God's glory. Yes. So or who he is. Right. So I have from crossway.org, which is, by the way, who our Bibles are through. Yeah. Um, they said, because I was like, so what did Moses see? Like, because at this point, like I've gone through like, okay. He saw the Shekinah glory. He, yes. Or they said uh, <laughs> a theophany. A theophany. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So what they said is, again, because at this point I'm like, okay, I've accepted that Moses is kind of like in prayer mode. Like when he's talking to God, he's not really seeing mm-hmm. him. Yeah. So then I'm like, well, what is he seeing? Mm-hmm. So they said, this is Crossway said, whatever the detail Moses, whatever the details, Moses saw a theophany of God. And yet one that was less than the fullest possible exposure to the presence of God. 
The allusion to human-like features builds on the fact that man was made in the image of God, and of course, along with all the theophanies, this one also foreshadows the appearance of God in Christ, who is the permanent and climactic theophany. Mm-hmm. In him and through his atonement, we can see God's face and not die. See, like, I feel, I read somewhere else that said that the only reason why the verbiage says we're going to be able to see his back is because, and like he put his hand over him and like they use anatomic words yeah, like, because humans wrote this mm-hmm. God under the influence of God. So there's, there's not so many things that we can use in our vocabulary to describe what God is because he is a spiritual being. Yeah, and so like, I, I don't think it was like a person, like Jesus was a person. Right. It was the closest descriptor that they could find that we would that understand. That could possibly understand. It wasn't, we weren't seeing his front. We weren't seeing him directly. Yeah. We were seeing his shadow, his yeah. back. Yes. Kind of like how a couple chapters ago when Moses, who was it? Moses, Aaron, Aaron's sons, and then some, I think of the elders of Israel. Israel went up on the mountain and God revealed himself to them, but they saw like the Sapphire road and everything. And a lot of that, what I got from that, and I think this is a really good point is, is that what human words could ever possibly describe God? Yeah, exactly. So I think, like you said, I think that, that who, when they wrote this, when Moses wrote this, right? Moses wrote Exodus, right? Yeah. When Moses wrote Exodus, he was giving it, comparable human text so that we would better be able to understand maybe what was happening yeah so i'm sure this was much more elegantly written in hebrew but i'm sure it's beautiful <laughs> i could never don't they read backwards like, i don't have any they read idea. this way instead of this way i don't know it's fine anyway um yeah the after effects of his radiant glory which yeah. had just passed by we're back to the tablets for a minute here mm-hmm. moses make new tablets is what's next? Before we get was that thirty three? That was thirty three. That was all thirty three. Yeah. Do you have anything to say on the? Um, I will have. You know, I will be gracious on whom I will be gracious. I don't mercy. have a whole lot on that. I think it boils down to because that. that's like a that's a it's a big thing. I think that kind of ties into how we were talking about like the Lord, you know, proclaiming Himself or you know to Moses. This is kind of like he is the most holy almighty and whatever God chooses to do, God's going to choose to do and rightfully so. Yep. You know, like any type of punishment that is received from God is just. And so he's going to have mercy on who he decides to have mercy on. Everybody might not get mercy in their situations or through their whatevers, but who the Lord chooses to have mercy on, the Lord's going to choose to have mercy on because... He's the only say so. Yep. Like, that's how it is. That question says, demonstrating mercy is one way God reveals his glory. The word mercy in Exodus 33, 19 means kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. When God said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, he meant that he would show kindness, compassion, and forgiveness to anyone he chooses. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because how can how can... God show his true character without showing forgiveness and compassion and mercy and love and goodness. Exactly. Because all of the attributes that we learned about through that Bible study that we did, all of those attributes make up who he is. And that includes all of those things. Yeah. You know, it's not all sunshines and rainbows, but it all works together to make up who God is, which is ultimately good and holy. Exactly. I feel like a lot of people like to leave out judgment. Like he is just in his judgment. Like he will. Because nobody likes, I mean, not to say that that's a, but like who likes to be reprimanded for their actions? Like who wants the consequences of their actions? Yeah. You know, like everybody does who commits the actions. (laughs) So who, like if you touch something hot, like who wants to be burned? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, not to say that like that's, I'm just using that as as an example. That's how you learn. Yeah. Like. Because he loves you. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. I think R.C. Sproul does a really good job. I can't remember the name of the sermon, but we watched it one evening. She showed a clip of it, of R.C. Sproul's lecture, kind of about his holiness and I'll have mercy on who I have mercy and mm-hmm. and everything. He talks about like Aaron's sons and like, um, yep. is his name Uzzah? 
as athlete. Yeah, I think you should. I would recommend that to anybody who hasn't listened to it. It's really good. Yes, I was on the other one because two of them die. Yeah, I can't remember the other person. But it's name. good about it's talking about judgment. Yeah, and how it fits into who he is and ties back to this verse of whenever he reveals himself mm-hmm. to Moses. Yep. So, okay, thirty-four. Moving on to thirty-four. Let's see if Victoria can actually read Take this Take three. Right? The Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. <laughs> which you broke. I'm ready to throw that back in his face. Be ready by the morning and come up Just. in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in, took in his hands two tablets of stone. The Lord descended on the cloud and stood with him there and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a good, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, now, if I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst for us. For it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. I like how God makes him, let's just, the tablets, I just want to say. Yes. I love that this this time God makes Moses cut the tablets. Yeah, you broke the first pair, man. And do everything for you. It's just your punishment. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Just. (laughs) Just. Yes. Anyway. Um, So... God didn't show him his true self, didn't show his glory to Moses until he was on top of Mount Sinai. Away from... Away from the people. And the people were not allowed anywhere near not it. Not even the, the animals. animals. were not even allowed near it. Like That's probably for their own safety. Nah. Yeah. Again, I just keep thinking of the bells on the priest's clothes so, yes. the, so that the people would know they were still alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he he shielded him from his from his true self and then proclaimed that proclamation and then wrote the 10 commandments again like because i always thought that moses was the one that wrote the tablets the second time but that doesn't make any sense because it was god's word yeah, it was from it was god his law and he didn't want it to be able to be twisted yeah so, so how can you argue twice. something that comes straight from him mm-hmm. and i so after you know god passes by moses shows him basically who he is and like shows him himself moses is like thank you you know but please come with us now that you've done that again a little bit more please come with us oh lord please let the lord go in the midst of us for it is a stiff-necked people he's like they're stubborn and they don't do what they need to do like we need you basically saying like they don't know any better well, they right? know better. No, he's yeah, saying they're true. stubborn. He's saying that they are stubborn and they don't want to listen. And mm-hmm. that's why we need you there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The enforcer. Well, it's like, okay, if you knew, if you knew that God's presence was always among you. Well, in the day and age where, you know, A, yes, God knows everything, mm-hmm. but they don't have the Holy Spirit to guide mm-hmm. them on any path whatsoever. Right. And two... If you don't have your parents standing over you, how do you know that you're going to follow their rules? Kind of like a more, I guess, literal visual is like whenever you're in class as a child, like you're in school as a child, you have the teacher. And then at our school, like I think it was like once a quarter or like, you know, twice a year, the principal would come and sit in, sit in on the class. I'm yeah. assuming to like evaluate the teacher or whatever. Yeah. But everybody was on their absolute A game and on their best behavior. Mm-hmm. even like the ornery and bad kids because the principal is there yeah you know yeah so if you think of you know the students like the israelites the teacher like moses mm-hmm. and then the principal and i'm not saying that the principal is god but yeah in yeah. this the visual illusion in this visual that's who he would represent and plus then it's a constant reminder as well again thinking about god being with you to like Oh, yeah, we should not make the golden calf, right? 
no, no, let's not make the golden calf. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're left to your own device, they're not ready for that yet. Obviously. Yeah. I like how he says, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will, who will by no means clear the guilty. Yeah, I like that too. Like he's not excluding any type of thing that he could not possibly forgive you for mm-hmm. by his own free will. Yes. You know, by his own choice. So he's iniquity, transgression, and sin is everything that you could possibly do wrong in your life. He'll forgive you for it. Yep. But he's not going to clear the guilty. You still have to answer. You You're still, still going to have just judgment. Yes. Because God for, is just. Mm-hmm, for the choices that you make. Make good choices. Okay. I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? Nope. Next section. Yes. Go ahead. The next section, uh, the covenant renewed, verse 10. And he said, behold, I am making a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do for you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Take care, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down the altars. Are we reading this whole thing? But like this is, he's just renewing the same covenant, literally word for word that we've, that he made in the last one. Yes. No, we don't have to read the whole thing. I mean, I can if you want me to, but I'm just reading this. I'm like, no, uh, he has to renew it. He has to say it all again because they broke it. So we have to, they have to do a new one. They have to have a new agreement. They have to have a new promise. And I bet you any money that in the real and when it happened it was exactly the same word for word as what he said the yes, first time i'm sure that it was this is just a condensed version of it mm-hmm. so basically god is is just re redoing renewing the covenant he's saying you know i'm going to send you to the land of milk and honey i'm going to drive out all of these people here's your commandments you know don't he re reiterates the 10 commandments starting with you shall not make for yourself any gods of cast metal directly referring to the golden calf. The golden calf yeah mm. and I then he enjoyed consuming that he re-mentioned the unleavened the feast of unleavened bread he re-mentions the consecration of the firstborn he re-mentions the sabbath and all of those like laws and stipulations that come along with those feasts and those sacraments basically yes We'll read the last paragraph. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Write these words for in accordance with these words. I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Wait. That that was verses 27 through 28. Yes. What are you waiting? 28. So he was there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Talking about God or Moses? not capitalized right Ooh, i don't know it looks like it was moses oh does look like the second ones were written by moses oh then i misspoke whoops because i thought god because i always thought god wrote the first set moses smashed them so then god i had always thought that moses then had to rewrite them. But then I read something in here and I was like, oh, so God, so Moses made the tablets and he wrote the... Yeah, God wrote them. But, oh. Hold on, let's go back here a second. Because it says in 34, the Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Maybe is he meaning he's going to write them through Moses, maybe? I mean, that makes sense because the first ones were written and, by the finger of God. I mean, it specifically said this, the finger of God. And the only thing that I can figure he means is that he's going to divinely well, write maybe, through Moses. Maybe that's what he did the first time. Well, I don't know. Because the, the first time we have specifically the finger of God. Yeah, but and if it he's writing divinely through Moses, wouldn't it be the finger of God? I guess. I tend to think that God wrote the first set and then he wrote the second set through Moses, kind of like the books in the Bible. It's God's word, but through other people. Deuteronomy 10. That's a, a reference. 
chapter is this? 34. 34. Deuteronomy 10 says, At the time the Lord said to me, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and come up to me on the mountain and make an ark of wood, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first of tablets, the first tablets that you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets that you broke. So Deuteronomy 10 says that God wrote them second time around. Ooh, this is weird. Yeah, I don't know. I think it could go either way. Doesn't really matter. No, but that's a really interesting point. Yeah. It could be either one. Either way, they came from God. Okay, moving on. <laughs> moving on. To the last half of 34. It says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know what the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near and the and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out, he told the people of Israel what what he was commanded. The people of Israel would see that Moses's face, see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses's face was shining. And Moses would put on the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. So did he wear a veil for the rest of his life? I think he wore a veil, yeah, around the people. Why? Because they didn't want to see it. Kind of how, like, whenever God spoke to Moses, or God spoke to the Israelite people on the mountain, and it was like the big thunder, and then they were mm -hmm. afraid, and they're mm -hmm. like, nope, don't talk to me, talk to Moses. I think it's kind of a similar situation, in a sense, too. Like, I was just reading in the study of the portion of my Bible, I think it brings up a good point, where, like being able to see moses's face the way that it was like yeah. shown mm -hmm. was also too a constant reminder to them that god was with them and he, he knows like what's happening and what you're doing basically yeah so yeah i mean that's maybe they were point. like afraid but also shamed ashamed of themselves yeah and how they are slash were yeah okay okay 35. 35 is really, it's a reiteration. It's a whole reiteration of everything that we've already talked about. The, the regulations Sabbath. for the tabernacle, the Sabbath, the construction of the tabernacle, where the stuff for the tabernacle is going to come, who's going to be doing what, that type of thing. Yeah, and he, he brought out... Did we already talk about Beazel and Yuri? Yeah, last episode. Yeah, so he like it by name. That's what I'm saying. It literally just reiterates everything that is needed to build the tabernacle. Everything that they're going to do, all of the the standing things that need to happen, like the priests and the and the yeah, all of that, mm -hmm. all of it. We're just getting it again. And then at the end of 35 is started the construction of the tabernacle. So like in 35, Moses goes out, tells the people they need to make a contribution and then they make contributions. Um, and then they have all of the things. I mean, I really yes, have to no, know that's 36. I was going to say, I really have nothing on the latter half of 35 or on 35 at all, because it's really the same stuff that we've gone over in detail yeah in previous episodes it's just it's the same thing it's yeah. they he had to reiterate everything about the covenant which included the instructions yeah, to because building he had the to because the original covenant or the first covenant that he made with them was broken was broken exactly was null and void yes so 35 the end part of 35 is just literally reiterating all of that stuff yeah i don't really have anything else no nope. i think that brings us to the end of this episode i think so wow wow this wow. is a short one it was I mean, hey, it's okay. We had a lot of good discussion, I think. Think brought up a lot of good points. Uh, well, so viewers can tell us that. <laughs> um, is it time for a favorite? We have favorite verses this time. We do have favorite verses, and it's the first time in a long time that we've actually since like the same Genesis. One. I know, since like Genesis, that we've picked the same like the same set. So our favorite was. Do you want to do the favorite verse since I did the summary? Or do you want me to do the favorite verse? I don't care. You always say the favorite verse. Okay. So our favorite verse <laughs> is 
were was Exodus 34, 6 through 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and... Words are hard. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And that's the proclamation that he gave to Moses as he was walking by him, showing him literally the shadow of his glory. Yeah, it's great. Which made his face shine like crazy. Yeah. Made him change and glow. Yeah. He became a glow stick. I wonder if it was like a light. I read that it (laughs) was very similar to how like you can tell, you know how you can tell whenever somebody's like getting right with God that Mm -hmm. like they just look different. Like they is just it, is it look like the pregnant different. Glow? I think, I mean, maybe not exactly that, but yeah, that's pretty sweat. much. Like that's mostly sweat. Mostly sweat and hormones. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's just something that I also read. Yeah. So. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so. with that, the end. This is the end of the world as we know it. Hey, it's coming. Anyway. So the next episode is going to be um, not as small as the rest of them. We're going to finish out Exodus, working through chapters 36 through the end of Exodus, ending at 40. Um, The reason why we're including so many more chapters, which is really only two more, but is because it's the construction of the tabernacle. There's not going to be a lot of meat to this episode. So bear with us, please. As you bear with reading through Exodus, we do need to finish it out strong. Finally, here we are. The construction construction of of the tabernacle and everything in it. So that will be on the next episode and that will be up next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you've enjoyed the time we spent in God's word and we hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening.